Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in today's HR Chat, we're going to consider better ways to connect people strategy with business strategy. Listen to as we talk about ways that neuro learning is beneficial in developing desired employee skills and behaviors. My amazing, awesome, tremendous guest today is Nicole Morris, executive consultant over at the Bio Group. With more than 15 years of leadership development industry experience, she works with businesses of all sizes to assess and provide coaching support to emerging leaders, managers, and executives. Nicole received her PhD in business psychology from the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, and you can learn more about her on LinkedIn, Twitter, and various other places that we will talk about today. Nicole, welcome to the HR Chat Show. Hello, thank you so much, Bill, for having me and for the the kind introduction. Uh, very much looking forward to talking about this uh, topic today. It's quite a a passion of mine that I've been really kind of focused on the last five years of my practice, and just really looking forward to the conversation today. Me too, me too. So let's get into it then. Why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and then the mission over at the Via Group. Yeah. Um, so as as you had mentioned, I am an executive consultant um, with the VIA Group, and I spend most of my days uh, talking and working with leaders and helping them kind of be their best selves at work. Um, and that can come in the form of executive coaching, that can come in the form of uh, supporting succession planning for an organization, um, but and and also as you mentioned, with that kind of link between strategy and and talent, um, I work with clients to to help them better, um, you know, find the right talent for their organization, develop the right talent, uh, so that they are promoting from within, um, as well as developing future leaders uh, deeper in the pipeline and helping identify uh, those leaders and preparing them for future leadership responsibilities. So I feel quite lucky um, that I spend my days just kind of working with people. Um, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's a great blend of using psychology uh, in the workplace. Wonderful. Okay, so a uh, big question to get us going today then as we get into the, the meat of today's discussion. Um, Nicole, maybe you can take a couple of minutes because <laughs> that's obviously all it takes. Uh, maybe you can take a couple of minutes and, uh, and explain to me and to our listeners the concept of neuroscience in simple terms and how it works. Yes. So yeah, a highly complex topic. But if you kind of break it down, you think about, or I think about neuroscience and the intersection with leadership is how our brain processes information and then putting that together with leadership or leadership development is, is really trying to apply the concepts of how the brain works and using that to kind of train and develop people in that way. Um, so it's really kind of blending leadership, uh, I'd say leadership training along with neuroscience 
uh, to really be able to help people recall information and be able to apply it to their job. Um, and I'd say there's sort of three concepts that I keep in mind that I think are pretty simple to understand and kind of helps illustrate, um, you know, how this applies to learning. Um, and I bet, Bill, many of these concepts will be things that are not necessarily new uh, to you, uh, but maybe as you kind of think about it um, a little bit differently when it applies to learning. Uh, the first would be chunking, so kind of breaking down information into smaller pieces. Um, our brain is sort of inherently lazy. It doesn't really want to work very hard. And so if you can break concepts into smaller pieces, it really increases the odds that you're going to be able to recall that information in the future. Um, so one concept there, again, around chunking. Uh, the other is just repetition. Um, so there's uh, it, neuroscience, you know, as they study the brain, there are these neural pathways that are created. And neural pathways are really just a fancy term for um, easier recall of information. So a stronger neural pathway means that you're going to recall that information even more quickly. And, and really to create a neural pathway, you need repetition. So you got to do something over and over and over again, and that's going to make it more likely that you're going to recall that information. Um, there are so many theories out there about how long it takes to develop a habit. Um, I'm sure you've heard of sort of that 10,000 hours, um, you know, that it takes to, to create a habit. Um, in reality, I think it really depends on the individual. I think it depends on how much concerted time and effort you're spending on practicing. But bottom line is just repeating it and practicing and doing it over and over and over again is more likely to create a neural pathway, more likely for you to recall something. And then the third concept, um, David Rock, founder of Neural Leadership, he has a phrase that I just absolutely love. And he says that no two brains are alike. And so, you know, how you learn, Bill, is very different from how I might learn. And so that means in order to recall information, you have to really make it apply to your world and put personal meaning towards it. Um, so these three concepts are aspects that I use and I think about when I'm coaching someone or if we're developing um, workshops that really kind of help people be able to learn new information and apply it to your job. I use these three concepts quite frequently. Um, even more simple is if you think about um, go way back and if you've got kids or if you can remember this far back is like thinking about like how kindergartners learn. Um, you know, you show up, uh, you're starting to learn your words and um, they don't they don't certainly just give you a list of 100 words and they say, hey, go figure these out, you know, learn them by the end of the week. They break it into micro pieces, right? They say, okay, this, this week, we're going to focus on these 10 words and you're going to practice these 10 words. You're going to write these 10 words. Um, you're going to talk about them in groups. You're going to draw pictures about those words. Um, and then at the end of the week, you're going to have a little bit of a test on it. And then the next week, you're going to add uh, 10 more words. And again, building on this over and over and over again, it's a really simple way to kind of think about taking the chunking, the repetition, and the personalization aspect. And um, and, it, and it works, right? It, it helps kids learn words. And by the time they leave kindergarten, you know, they've learned a, a plethora of words. 
And it's in many ways, it's just kind of going back to the basics in terms of how we best learn information um, using the brain science as a way to guide the way that we design programs. Okay, wonderful. I seem to remember being told many years ago that if you say somebody's name six times over, uh, it, it sticks. Now, I remember from mm-hmm. many years back when I when I had m- far fewer gray hairs at the beginning of my career, I was taught a method uh, which looked at three different ways of learning, visual, auditory, and, and kinesthetic, I think it was. Yeah, um, yeah. Did, do, you, do, you, do you employ those as, as part, of, a part of your coaching? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to that last piece around no two brains are alike, right? So we do learn in different ways. And so um, some individuals are going to benefit from auditory, some individuals like to read. So yes, I think when you're building programs or when you're coaching um, leaders, um, providing choices around what is the best way for that individual to learn that information is um, a really great uh, it's a great way to approach it and kind of to blend those two concepts together overall then in your opinion why, why is neuro learning beneficial in developing desired employee skills and behaviors so you know historically you know as we look at the way that we've trained and developed leaders um you know a lot of it has come from sort of classroom training um and and as we've looked at the the ROA ROI on that training, it's it's not always the best. Um, and so in some ways, it gets a little bit of a, a bad rap um, because I think training is is such an important and critical piece to to learning and development. Um, but in many ways, it, it may not always uh, follow uh, the concepts that I discussed before that would make it more likely that once you go to this training, you're going to be able to apply the concepts that you learned in the job. Um, and, and so, and there's a couple of reasons why I think sometimes traditional training hasn't worked. Uh, Cause and if we go back to those three concepts, it's because we often miss many of the elements. Um, so we cram a lot of information into a short period of time. Uh, we usually only give opportunities to practice in the moment. Um, and there's not always like a clear mechanism for doing it after the training. And then we generally kind of apply a one size fits all model. So everyone's kind of receiving the information in the same way. Um, I think, you know, there's been progress in terms of finding different ways to share that information. If it's videos, it's, you know, reading information, it's practicing um, but again, it's generally kind of everybody is doing it in the same way. Um, and so if we think about that, it just seems highly unrealistic that someone is actually going to be able to leave that training and then recall it and incorporate it into their everyday job. Um, it's just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't seem very likely. And a lot of you know leaders that I speak to or people that have been through training or myself included, um, I go, I have a really great experience, um, but I'm not always quite sure how to be able to apply it on the job. Um, and so I think if you take some of those concepts and be able to kind of build that into different learning programs, it's probably more likely that people are going to be able to apply it to the job. And we're seeing, you know, we're seeing more of that. 
I, I believe, in um, the industry, right? We're seeing much more like self-paced learning. We're seeing ways that technology is supporting that self-paced learning. Um, so I think that we're moving in the right direction, um, but I think it's it's kind of going back to some of those basics and thinking through when you're designing a program or when you're coaching someone, um, are you really keeping in mind the best way for someone to actually learn information and actually recall that once the, the learning experience is complete? Wonderful. Thank you. So beyond what you've told us so far, maybe you can now share some examples, uh, specifically examples around how neuro learning is being applied in leadership development training today. Yeah. So I'm, you know, thinking about an individual that I was was coaching and um, she's an HR professional, actually, and she's trying to be more strategic in terms of proactively bringing talent recommendations back to the business. Um, and if we kind of go back to those three concepts, um, the chunking, the repetition, the personalization, we used all of this as a way for her to get to this, this outcome. Um, but first, sort of we took a step back and we decided, we thought, okay, what does it mean to be strategic? Um, and Bill, I'd, I'd venture... If I asked five people what it means to be strategic, we'd probably get five very different answers. So I really needed to kind of better understand what strategic meant in her job. Um, sort of that, again, no two brains are like concepts. So what did it look like in her world? And what we found was that being strategic for her really meant proactively bringing talent HR ideas to her leadership team that aligned with their company's strategic objectives. So that was sort of the outcome um, that we were trying to achieve. And what we had to decide is, okay, how do we get to that outcome, right? So how do we get her to that outcome? Um, and so what we did is we started to kind of break it down to think about how could she be more strategic? How could she get the practice she needed? Um, and how could she make it meaningful for her environment? And so, you know, practically how she did this and, you know, she did all the work, I just kind of helped guide the process is, you know, first started by simply reserving time on her calendar to focus on strategy. So really making sure that she had time to study the HR landscape, read articles, attend conferences if she could, all with the goal of just really understanding HR trends um, and kind of broadening her understanding there. Um, and the putting it on her calendar was this idea of being able to be intentional and practice it, right? So it became a repetitious event where she was doing it weekly and there was it was there kind of right, you know, staring her in the face. Um, then we kind of focused on, and so once she kind of mastered that, uh, it was time to kind of move on to the next aspect. So then she started to focus on being able to speak the language of her business counterparts, because again, she wanted to proactively bring talent ideas to her leadership team that aligned with the company's strategic objectives. To do that, she had to really understand what they cared about. Um, so here, you know, she set up regular one-on-ones with each business leader. Um, again, that practice, doing it over and over again 
using this time to learn from them, sharing ideas, asking them how to address talent issues. What were some of the most pressing issues? Um, and so, and then, then she could kind of blend what she knew from the trends that she was hearing about. Now she knew uh, what they cared about. And the last piece was kind of bringing it all together was to figure out how to demonstrate she was being strategic to others. Um, so finding meetings where she would share her talent recommendations um, and really be clear on how it fit into the larger strategy. And that, again, goes back to that repetition. She was finding different meetings and doing it repeatedly. When you put all of that together, you know, sort of over time, what happened is she just started to develop a habit. Um, so she didn't necessarily have to work as hard at being strategic for her audience. It became more natural and more automatic. Um, and it really kind of resonated with her audience. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, they, at the end of the day, when we looked back and she got feedback from her colleagues, she improved and, and people reported that she was being more strategic. She was proactively bringing these ideas um, to her, to her team or into the leadership team. And as I step back and reflect on that bill, um, I don't think a training, you know, a one day training on strategy would have gotten her to that point. She probably would have learned a lot of concepts, but I think it probably would have been very difficult for her to take those concepts and really be able to break it down in a way that could apply it um, to her job. Um, if you think about it from a pragmatic standpoint, you know, one suggestion would be is, you know, you could break it down into those different concepts, right? So instead of having a broad day and strategy, you might break it down into those different concepts. Um, so that's just another way of looking at it outside of the coaching lens. How does how does neurolearning complement more traditional cohort training and development techniques? Yeah. So, I mean, if we go back to this idea that a lot of cohort training um, tends to be more classroom learning, that's just sort of more traditionally where it's at. And I think neuroscience, neuroscience methodology can help create more stickiness and retention um, after those programs. Um, and, and there's different ways that that can happen. Um, but I think one of the, the best is to use, there's lots of technology pro, um, programs out there, uh, viability being one of those is that you can, um, you can reinforce concepts after the training program is done. Um, and so having them, you know, having pulsing information, sending them reminders of things to try on the job. Um, ideas for how they can incorporate the learnings after the training, that's one aspect. Um, I think the other aspect that um, is, is interesting about trying to apply these concepts is that the cohort approach, again, is really more of a group mentality, right? It's the cohort is all learning the same information at the same uh, period of time, um, I think that you can use neural learning to create more of an individual journey that can um, supplement a cohort approach. Um, and again, that kind of goes back to uh, maybe taking concepts from the cohort training 
like let's say it's a, a you know a, a training that is or maybe it's trainings over time that are focused on many concepts right so think about like a management training um cohort approach um, they probably are going to focus on things like situational leadership, candid conversations, enterprise thinking, time management. Um, well, you know, Bill, maybe you're not as great with candid conversations, um, but you're really strong on time management. It probably doesn't make a lot of sense to focus your, most of your effort on time management. Probably be better to give you more experience and exposure and practice on candid conversations and vice versa. Um, and so I, in an ideal world, um, I see using, you know, having a cohort approach layered on with some individualized focus, um, after that training that really allows you to kind of pull through and be able to, um, take it sort of to that individual level and that you're really focusing on something that's going to make the most difference for you, um, in your job. Um, and kind of based on what you're maybe good at and maybe where there are some gaps. Um, you know, the only thing I would add here is, and, you know, I haven't I, I alluded to it, but I think there's just, a, there's a lot of like technology um, apps and systems out there that can help with this. Um, and uh, a good analogy is to like, think about like, sort of like, a, uh, you know, like an exercise app or, uh, you know, apps that will help you eat better. Um, though they're starting to see more of that in the HR um, community of using ways to kind of pull through afterwards. And it's, you know, things like reminding you of concepts, um, using those concepts, like getting you to think about, okay, how can you use that concept in your job? Um, it's sort of like having a personal trainer kind of holding you accountable um, after you leave that training session. And so, um, you know, in, if, you know, if that is something that you have budget for or things that you want to look to is in terms of digitizing the way that you run training programs, I, I think there's lots of options out there. Wonderful. Nicole, uh, I'm going to make you sad now when I tell you we are coming towards the end of this interview already. Uh, before we do wrap up, just a couple more questions for you. Um, maybe as a bit of a recap of what we've discussed so far today, uh, perhaps you can share your top two, three, four takeaways for organizations looking to incorporate neurolearning in their learning and development programs. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's three things. I'd say one, do not create cram sessions. So break down concepts into smaller bite-sized pieces. Um, you can use this in training. You can use this in coaching programs, um, but really break down concepts into more simple, simply digestible pieces. Um, two is pull through learnings from post-training. Um, I mentioned, you know, there's technology systems that can help reinforce concepts and give opportunities to practice on the job. But you can also use individual development plans. So once you leave that training, using development plans to create a personalized plan for how you can practice skills post-training, it also gives an opportunity to partner with that individual's manager as well, but something that will kind of help pull through what you learn. And the third, uh, we didn't 
really touch on, but it is really important is to measure the transfer of training. Um, you know, I think that, you know, smile sheets are great. You know, people like going to trainings or they like learning programs, but I think we need to get better at showing that they're making people more effective, making them better managers, getting better at their job. Um, and, and really making sure that learning is being applied to the job. Um, there's different ways that you can do this, ranging from informal feedback from people that observe those individuals to pulse surveys that can um, measure progress in particular areas. But that measuring of transfer of training is quite important. Perfect. And just finally for today, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe that's through LinkedIn. Maybe you want to share your email address, your Twitter. Maybe you're super cool and you're all over TikTok. And also, <laughs> how can they? Uh, how can our listeners learn more about all the cool things happening over at the Bio Group? Yes. Well, I'm not super cool and do not have a, a TikTok, but I. Um, you can certainly visit uh, www.viapath. V-A-Y-A-P-A-T-H.com, which is more information about the VIA group and the work that we do. Or uh, feel free to reach out to me personally at N-M-O-R-R-I-S at ViaPath.com. Rock and roll. And I'm, I'm assuming they can also connect with you on LinkedIn. I believe you and I are connected on LinkedIn already. Is that, is that, is that right? Yes, that is absolutely right. Wonderful. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Nicole, I've had a great time and I've learned a lot about myself and those around me from this conversation. Um, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Yeah, thank you, Bill, for being such a great host and and for allowing me to, to talk on a, a, a topic that I'm so passionate about. I've really enjoyed the time today. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.